So I spent the next month at a hospital in Bangkok getting intravenous antibiotics. The doctor is in there, literally he's searching on WebMD, Lyme disease treatment. G'day and welcome to Not So Bon Voyage, the podcast all about when shit goes wrong on the road. It's the second episode of our Voyage to Chat series where we interview travellers about their wildest travel stories. We are your hosts, I'm Jules. And I'm Christine. And you just heard from our guest on the show today, Jeremy Scott Foster. Jeremy is a travel blogger who has spent the last 10 years amassing some wild stories from all across the globe. Today, he tells us his story of traveling with an Instagram model that didn't speak English, losing his dream job but gaining a career in travel, and his personal experience traveling with Lyme disease. Let's get into it. Voyagers, we are here with Jeremy Scott Foster. Just like us, Jeremy's a long-term traveler, a blogger, and has tons of crazy stories from the road. Thank you so much for coming on, Jeremy. Let's kick off today's episode with you telling the Voyagers a little bit about yourself, your blog, and your travels. Yeah, sure. So I've been traveling since 2010. Uh, So we're talking about 10 years now, which is kind of crazy for me to think about. And in that time, as you can probably imagine, I've, I've seen some things. <laughs> and uh, in the process of seeing those things, I started a travel blog called Travel Freak. And that was a bit of a side hobby for the first few years of my travels. And then in the last few years, my travels has become my full-time job. So that's where I'm at now. It's a good place to be at. Well, actually, not maybe not right now, but it's, it was a good place to be at before Corona because uh, just like yourself, we've also been able to make a career out of it. And it's, I mean, it's got to be one of the best jobs going around, but at the at the moment, it's probably one of the worst. At the moment, it is, it is definitely the worst. And I'll tell you, like the, the day that I logged in and saw that my business had essentially evaporated overnight, that was one of the worst days in recent history for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably going to be the worst mozzo bon voyage of the whole yeah. fiasco. Yeah, know, but... right? <laughs> Episode over. Yeah, serious. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks a lot for coming on, Jeremy. There's pretty much travels cancelled for the rest of the life, and uh, that's it. You've been great. All right. So we're going to jump into some, we've got some rapid fire questions, how we're starting off the episode. We're going to jump into those just to warm us up before we get into the main stories. So we're going to kick off with the very first one is what is the worst thing that you have ever eaten while traveling? I guess that makes sense. The worst thing that I've ever eaten while traveling would be snails. I think I had a, I had a very strange snail dish in Vietnam and that did not go over well. Either that or some sort of strange meat sausage in oh. Nazareth in Israel that Put me on the toilet for about three days. The, the old mystery sausage. The mystery old mystery meat. sausage. Mystery meat. <laughs> oh, I've heard a few stories of those ones. <laughs> I've never, I've never eaten snail. Me neither. That's like a delicacy, though. To some France. people, yeah. I can't, Yeah, not, I'm, not a fan. I'm not going to be the one to recommend it. Yeah. Too I, slimy or what? It was, you know, it, I think it was just a, a part of the Vietnamese cuisine. The way that it had been prepared, it, it just wasn't nice. It was like a soup. It was like a like a snail soup. Oh, oh. that sounds even worse. Which, yeah, right, exactly. I could imagine if a snail was charred and maybe it would take out some of that Like slime. a barbecue maybe like a barbecue, or like rotisserie. But if it's just boiled and it just becomes this sort of 
Ugh, like yeah. a goopy, goopy, goopy soup. Like, yeah. ima- like imagine like a, like a snail chili. Yeah. Mm, that sounds terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, moving on. Least favorite country. Mm. I know it's a tough one for people. This is actually a pretty easy one for me. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great then. I'm going to, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. The U.S. <gasps> How dare you? I know. Oh my God. I know. Uh, what? Any, any quick talking points? Is it without getting too much into politics? Is it, is it landmarks? Is it, what is it? You know what? It's not, it's not political. It's just the general attitude of people. Um, I just, mm. I, I've, I've always said I feel like I am a European stuck in the body of an American. Oh. Okay. Okay. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, overnight, Jeremy lost all his passive income and his North American audience. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, since I've been in the States uh, more often, I've been focusing my travels uh, more domestically. The U.S. has a lot of really amazing things to offer in terms of travel opportunities. But I just, yeah, I, pr- I prefer international travel. That's just me. Yep. Yeah, we get that. I get it. Yeah, we get that. What is, on a similar note then, what is the most overrated landmark or attraction you've ever visited? I think probably the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. Oh, okay. I could yeah, see we've that. heard mixed reviews about that. I could that. see that. I, we've never been to Iceland personally, but I could see that. It's just a, it's a man-made hot spring it's just, you're just in, it's like a really big jacuzzi and that's yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it just blew up a couple, remember a couple of years ago when Iceland blew up and everybody wanted to get there and then it was kind of coincided with the real emergence of the Instagram model, mm-hmm. you know, like a couple of years ago when Instagram was mostly not f- super focused on that and it, they just it happened perfect to, storm. it was a perfect storm and they collided and next thing you know, it was just all these bikini-clad women in Blue Lagoon, and everyone just went, I've got to go there. Yeah, I have seen, like, side-by-side photos of, like, the Instagram shots that are done at, like, a really specific perspective so you can only see, like, the water. And then they actually show you, like, the walkways and, like, all the man-made shit and, like, lines for the locker rooms and stuff like that. And it looks, yeah, it looks kind of shit. Yeah, it's totally just a pool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, worst place you've ever slept on your travels? So... That is a tough one. I've slept in some sketchy, dodgy ass places. Um, <laughs> the like sleeping in the airport—that's never really fun. But I think, I think the one that tops it all is a tw- the the twenty-seven hour sleeper train that I took in China from Guilin to Xi'an, and um, so you can imagine, you know. 27 hours being stuck in a tiny little overcrowded train car with, you know, probably 300 people in one train car. And you've got this tiny little bed uh, for hanging out, for sleeping, for um, doing whatever you do for 27 hours straight. Not much by the sounds of it. Yeah. Crammed in. And then sounds sweaty and it's it's sweaty. It's hot. It's gross. You've got people like invading your space. And so if you're on the bottom bunk, then you have, then you have people who are coming over because everybody needs a place to sit. So they come and they sit on your bed and then you're like, get (laughs) off my bed. But of course you can't communicate with them because 
you don't speak Chinese. And so it's a, that was a, it was a, Sen- it, it was a stressful train ride. It sounds like one big giant snail soup in there. <laughs> <laughs> snail chili. <laughs> you like try to usher someone to like explain to them, like, can you get off my bed? And they're like, oh, can I lay down on your bed? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you, you say that like it's a joke, but, but that's the reality of it. <laughs> wow just spooning everybody spooning yeah big cuddle puddle that's um yeah that's a story i'll save for another time <laughs> <laughs> okay and the last one we are i think we're zero well we're zero from one at this stage because you're the only the second guest but have you ever pooped your pants while traveling we're keeping a tally i've not pooped my pants while traveling but i have pooped <laughs> i have pooped my <laughs> pants twice at home once once at a house party <laughs> And once oh, in the God. middle of a Walmart. Oh no, Walmart! Actually, that seems like a fitting place. I to feel like if there were a Walmart. place, I, I think you're right. If there were a place to in anywhere in the world th- where it's fitting to poop your pants, it's Walmart. Also, I really it's hope Walmart. you guys aren't sponsored by Walmart. <laughs> Actually, yes, we are. We're about to do a Walmart commercial. Save and, less, save more, and Sorry. cut. <laughs> <laughs> You just look at the person next to you in the aisle and they, they give you this look that says, been there, done that. Man. Respect. No, respect. <laughs> but, hey, no, they just go, first time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that sounds brutal. Just like a bad meal or something or couldn't quite make it to the bathroom? No, it was, it, it, it was, it was just unexpected. You know, it's, you're, 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 you're expecting a fart and uh, it doesn't really come out that way. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll move on from that subject. I feel like we got enough details there. So now we're one for one on the... Oh, but that wasn't while traveling. Mm, So we're still 0 for 2. Yep. Okay, so now that we're all warmed up with these questions, we will jump into your not-so-bon voyages. So we know for your main story today, you're going to jump into something a bit more personal that's created a lot of challenges during your travels. But before we get into that, we'd love to hear a couple shorter, kind of funny travel stories to start off with. Yeah, sure. Um, the, <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is... The time, so I guess I should preface this by saying that I'm the type of traveler who doesn't plan anything, and I tend not to think things through as to whether exactly or not like us. as to whether or not it's a good idea, right? So it could be the worst possible idea, and I don't I, I don't even give it a thought as to whether it's a good idea or not. And so I had started chatting with this speaking of Instagram models, I had started chatting with this Instagram model and she was, uh, from Canada, the, the, the part that speaks French. So she did not speak any English whatsoever. And I'm pretty sure that during our Instagram conversations, she was just using Google translate to have a conversation with me. And so we decided Having never met before in our lives, we decided to take a trip to Greece together. Sounds like what you do. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Which, from my perspective, you know, there's there's this Instagram model who wants to go traveling with me, and why do I say no to that? You know, I'm I'm young and I'm single, and and she's good looking, and what 
like like what man in their she right speaks arms? english <laughs> yeah she doesn't speak english so the conversations can be real short <laughs> yeah, yeah what's like what's to lose so anyway, so we go, we, we meet up in, uh, where did we go? We went to Santorini and um, we, were, we were going to two islands and she also considered herself to be a bit of a photographer as well as a model. So I had gone into this expecting, you know, oh, I'll, I'll have a, like a photography buddy and also like a great model for the photos because that's a big part of what I do is, is travel photography. So, um, so she shows up with like $10,000 worth of camera gear and I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, who, like, who is this girl? And, uh, it turns out that despite having some of the best camera gear on the planet, she didn't even know how to use it. So she instead just stuck with her iPhone, which was, <laughs> I, I thought that was just sort of ironic and funny, but, uh, like, Getting back to the story at hand, obviously, communication was a pretty big issue. Um, so we tried just about everything you could imagine to have a conversation. And at a certain point, we just decided that body language and pointing and grunting and laughing was the best scenario moving forward. Now, what I didn't realize but very quickly found out was that her MO for this entire trip was to make an ex-boyfriend jealous. Oh, wow. That's the plot, plot twist. So I became just like a pawn in her little game of love chess that was occurring back home. <laughs> oh, checkmate. And <laughs> big checkmate, big checkmate. And it, and it, it got weird real fast. And, um, because of that, we, we, uh, some things happened. We ended up not really getting along so well, you know, like I would be on the phone talking to a friend, just catching up. And then she would come out screaming at me in French, thinking that I had been talking about her and that I was spreading rumors about her. And when in fact I had said nothing about her at all. And so it was just like this one thing after another, after another, and being the Instagram model that she was and, and, um, you know, we've alluded to the nature of Instagram models per the Blue Lagoon. Um, per the Blue Lagoon, she uh, really just wanted to spend all day, every day, doing model photo shoots. And so, not only was I a pawn in her game of love chess, but I was also her personal photographer. Wow! <laughs> well, she got you. <laughs> she really got me. She reeled you in. She really got me. <laughs> I feel like traveling with someone that you can't communicate with would be a very interesting experience. Well, that's kind yeah. of what I like. I'm, I'm a, I hate to use the word, but I'm kind of like a, a YOLO sort of guy. I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go for it. Why not? Like, you know, maybe it'll make a good story that I can tell on a podcast someday. Yeah. We, it reminds me, we, we've definitely come across people in our travels that we spent time with where we've had no communication. And it makes me, reminds me of uh, this probably guy in his 50s, Slovakian dude called Marion, who we spent time with in Peru and did not speak one word of English. And it was just all of our conversations were pointing and him slowly learning English over the course of like a period of time where he would just point at things and just be like, 
bicycle. <laughs> and we'd be like, yes, Marion, very yeah. good, bicycle. Uh, yeah. And then he would just, you know, like the next day I'd be doing laundry and he'd come up and be like, laundry. I'd be like, yes, very good. And then obviously there'd be the odd time where, you know, I'd be cooking and he'd come up and he'd be like, sunbaking. He'd be like, no, Marion, no. <laughs> that one. But, you know, it's a process. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is. And it's, I mean, I, I think... Personally, I think it's a fantastic experience learning how to communicate with somebody who speaks a different language um, because you start to pick up on other nonverbal cues and, you know, you, you, there's, there's a lot to learn from that sort of experience. So I'm all for it. This particular scenario just sort of spiraled out of control in a lot of, uh, in, in a lot of ways that were just really not enjoyable. Sort of the, the, the way the whole trip ended was we ended up on the island of Zakynthos. The island of Zakynthos is home to the most famous shipwreck in the world, or, or I don't know if I should say famous, but at least the most photographed shipwreck in the world. And it is a big-ass boat that uh, washed ashore onto a beach, and this beach is only accessible by boat. You can't walk to it. You can't get there any other way uh, except for jumping off the cliff above the beach. And so this is like a thing that base jumpers do. And this is a thing that I really wanted to do. And so we got there and that uh, opportunity presented itself for me to, to do the base jump. And she got really mad because she wanted to go to another part of the island and do a photo shoot. And I wanted to do the bucket list item, that, which was the reason that I came to Greece, really, in the first place. That was our second to last day. And we ended up back at the Airbnb, didn't speak a word to each other after having a huge blowout. We got back to the place, didn't speak a word to each other. And then she left the next morning. And we haven't spoken since. So we never said goodbye. We never said anything. It was just a... It's just a like a terrible idea, this whole trip from beginning to end. And we parted ways without saying a single word. Wow. I mean, it's kind of like the rest of your travels. You couldn't understand each other anyway, so it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, yeah, it, it made me, I, I definitely learned a few things from that. Um, but also, like, I, I think one of the biggest things I learned is that it is really important who you travel with. Absolutely. That literally makes or breaks a trip. It does. Yeah. Or it makes or breaks a relationship, a friendship. Like they don't necessarily need to speak the same language as you. That definitely helps. But at least they have to be kind of like not using you as revenge for their boyfriend. And, you know, little, simple just stuff like some that. conditions like that are yeah. helpful. Simple stuff like that. Yeah. It, it, like there, there is another world in which this could have gone much better. Totally. Even though Romantic. we didn't speak the same language. Yeah. yeah. It's the stuff that there was some Daniel Danielle Steele novels made out of. For sure. Is that the name of the author? Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a romance novel about two people who don't speak the same language having a romantic fling in Greece. And that's very contemporary. You know, they meet on Instagram and then they agree to meet up in Greece. And That could be a good movie. Oh, quick, someone jump on it. <laughs> so you, like, you can see what was going through my head before this, before this whole thing happened. Definitely. How how tall was this? Is kind of a random question, but how tall was the girl? No, I'm just kidding. How tall was the jump that? Uh, <laughs> like the the <laughs> <laughs> um, 
How tall was the jump? It that's a great question. I want to say May. Oh, oh gosh. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it. Really? Did you do it, or did you end up on the beach? I did. No, I did end up doing it. Um, Good oh, nice. And it was. It's a 200 meter jump. Oh, wow. Holy shit. What? Wait, so do you need like a parachute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, just <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and this is a whole this is a whole other story. But uh, the, the long and short of it is I ended up meeting a group. So this base jump is I assumed that it was going to be like an official bungee jumping station where you go up and you like pay somebody at a counter and then you they hook you up with harnesses and everything. But no. I got there and I was like, where's where's the base jump? And it wasn't there. And Ultimately, I ran into this group of about 10 Russians who were there to do the base jumping and they brought all their own gear and all their own equipment. And of course, it's a group of like 10 crazy Russians who are jumping off 200 meter cliffs. And so I was like, hey, guys, can I do this with you? Like I told you, I don't really think things through. So I was just just (laughs) like, hey, strangers, can I use your equipment and jump off this uh, 200 meter cliff with you? And they said yes. So that's how that played out. Um, and they were actually great. They were super fun. Awesome. That sounds rad. All right. Well, I know we've got, we've got some more stuff to get through, so let's, let's chug on in. And uh, I know you're going to jump into something a little bit more personal and tell us about that. And it's something that's been a big part of your life as well and, and also been uh, very challenging with your travel. So if you want to jump in and tell the voyages and ask a little bit more about that. Yeah, so so this one this one is actually kind of it's kind of two stories baked into one that that happened back to back. So and this will give you a little bit of a, a sense of um, the story of my travels as well. Um, so it'll it'll give just a little bit of history of of, of what I do, etc. So um, to, I guess, to kick things off, the best way to start the story is to, to let you know that I, so part of the way that I've been traveling the world was, was by bartending. And that's how I was supporting my travel habit was by bartending around the world. And so, um, I had been very lucky to work with some very, very good cocktail bartenders and ended up working in some of the best cocktail bars around the world. And so that was pretty much how I was traveling around the world for a number of years. And eventually I ended up moving to New York in an effort to get more into the New York cocktail scene. Cause that's like really where that happens. Like in the States, it's basically, or at the time it was pretty much like New York or San Francisco. Those were the two spots where you had really good cocktail bars. So I decided on New York and that uh, I started to fall into the New York cocktail scene very rapidly because I actually had quite a lot of really good job experience. And um, like, if I'm being honest, I was pretty good at it. So I got a job at was at what was basically my dream cocktail bar in New York. Now, at the same time, I also received a job offer to go back to China where I had previously lived and work at a really high-end hotel bar there. And I would be running the drinks program. And so that was a super exciting opportunity for me. And it was a really sweet setup because I was going to live in a crazy expensive hotel and I was going to run the bar and create my own drinks program. And it was a six month contract. So I'd be able to keep traveling after that. And so it was really the perfect setup. But in order to accept that job, I had to turn down basically my dream job in New York. 
So I put all my eggs into this basket to go to China. And uh, the one who had made me this job offer was a friend. So I kind of just trusted him. He said, okay, cool. So you're coming. It's six months. Uh, Like this is the date you're going to fly out and we'll figure out details later. So I was like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. I'm in. We're doing it. And um, I had about a month left of travels. So I decided to go to South America and travel around Colombia for a little while. And so I spent about a month traveling in Colombia and I made, and, and, you know, skipping a month here, I made sure that I was in Medellin the time that I was supposed to fly out to China, to Beijing. Um, and during this time, I'd been trying to contact the guy who, my friend who had offered me this job and his communication was very sparse. And I texted him a few days before and he was like, oh yeah, we're, we're getting your tickets now. And then I heard nothing. And then, you know, the day before I'm supposed to fly out is there and I'm still hearing nothing. And then the day arrives when I'm supposed to be flying out and I still don't have flights. And then a week passes and I still haven't heard from the guy and I still don't have my flights. And so I realized all of a sudden this guy's not coming through. Like my job is not coming through. And so I'm stuck in Colombia with no money, no job, nowhere to go. And he has completely disappeared and I'm completely stranded and I don't really know what to do. And this was like a major emotional wreck for me because I, I, I had just turned down my dream job and now I'm just stranded in a strange country. And so I kind of just put my head down, worked out a plan and then decided that I would start working on my blog because that was the only asset of any value that I owned at the time. So that's actually how I got my start travel blogging was... What year year was that? And uh, that would have been 2015, 2014, 2015. Um, And so that's kind of how... So, you know, I'd been travel blogging since 2011, actually. But um, my... When I started taking travel blogging a lot more seriously was in 2015. And... I was really forced into it. Like I had never planned to become a travel, a professional travel blogger or anything like that. I just kind of fell into it because I got stuck in a country and I had no way to make money except for this blog. So I started like selling some sponsored posts and things like that. And that was enough to get me by until I could figure out my next move. And so during that time I started getting invited on some press trips to go to some countries with some tourism boards and, um, that sort of snowballed into what is now my full-time career. So that's one part of the story. The next part of the story is that after all of this kind of played out, I ended up going back home to my mom's place to put in some family time because, you know, I'm a, I'm a good son and all that. <laughs> um, and we spend most of our time away from our family or out of our country. <laughs> you got to clock in every year and just... Say you hi know, to mom. Yeah, stamp your time card, and it's it's funny you say you say every year, and I and I, I kind of agree with that. Except my my first trip abroad was was four years, and I'm pretty sure my family thought I was never coming home. Well, you never you didn't go home in four years. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a long time. The longest I've done is two. I've done I've done a year. I've done year stints. I'm I'm about a year at the moment, but the longest I've done consecutively was probably two. 
I'm such a mama's girl. I need to be home and have like my yearly check-in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I was off. I was, I was having the time of my life. It, it was, it was great. And I, I feel kind of bad because I think my family thought that they would never see me again, which is kind of, you know, that's kind of sad, but, um, oh, poor mom. I know I'm like, I'm, I'm a total mama's boy. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I went home, checked in with my mom, and I was there for about a month before I was due to take off for another trip. Now, during that month, I received a diagnosis for Lyme disease. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. But what I can say is that for the previous few months, I had actually been doing a bit of a Euro trip. Um, and over the course of those three months that I did this Euro trip, every day or every week, like something was just incrementally getting a little bit stranger and worse in my brain. I, I don't really know how to explain that other than um, I was I was starting to feel different. Like I didn't know what was going on. My brain was like starting to do strange things. My memory is starting to disappear. I'm waking up feeling kind of confused. I'm really brain foggy and fatigued all the time. And I didn't really understand what was happening. And I assumed it was just travel fatigue. So I kept on pushing through and then I got home and I went to go see a doctor about it. And they said, yeah, you've got Lyme disease. So the typical protocol for handling that is uh, you take three weeks of antibiotics and then you move on. And there is a whole host of new, there, there's the amount of nuance in diagnosing and treating Lyme disease is, I think, Jules, as you know, it's a, it's a very complicated topic. So we don't have to dive into that, but I followed the doctor's recommendations. I took my three weeks of antibiotics, and then I jumped on a plane to Cambodia for another job that I was working on. So so what, what year is this now? This is the end of 2015 now. Okay. And so uh, I go to Cambodia. I'm working on this job. Everything's going great until it's kind of not going great. And we go to this small village where we're supposed to be helping out. And this was kind of like a voluntourism type of uh, situation where, you know, I, 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 I didn't really know too much better at the time. Now I have very different thoughts on voluntourism, but um that's what this gig was. And so I was there and I was volunteering in this small village in Cambodia. And I, I start like my, like I completely fall apart. I I become totally non-functional. Uh, I can't think I can't like, I can't really move. All I can do is lay down and be, be a slug. So I tell the guys, look, I got to go back to the hotel. I got to turn off the lights. I got to just go to sleep. I'm, I'm totally out of it and I need to leave. And so I, went back to the hotel, everything did not go that well, but next up on the list was Bangkok. And so I flew to Bangkok and I was there for a travel conference. I don't even remember the travel conference. So that like the, the way that, that the Lyme disease was it, was it TBEX 2015? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We, oh yeah. We, we were, were there. there. We were there. <laughs> that was our first, uh, that was our first ever one. Mm-hmm. Like our first introduction to like the wider travel blogging community. It was also mine. And um, 
man, I, maybe we met. I, I, I don't, I don't even know. I've had people since come up to me and they would be like, yeah, it was so great to meet you, you know, a few years ago at, at T-Bex in Bangkok. And I, and I was like, wait, I didn't know we'd ever met before. Um, I think that was the one that a lot of people went to. A lot of people um, did go like, to that one. I felt like it was a big one. Um, I guess probably because it was in Bangkok. It's the only one we've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So imagine going to a conference and you're essentially in a mental state of amnesia or like, or dementia, right? Where your, your brain doesn't function and you're at this conference, you're walking around and, and trying to socialize, but like you have no idea what's going on because that's, that's the effect that Lyme disease has on you. It has a lot of really scary cognitive effects that affect the, the function of your brain. And so I'm in Bangkok, I go to this conference and I realize halfway through I'm out, I'm tapping out. I can't do it. So I spend the next month where I was supposed to be staying in Bangkok for a while. And I spend the next month at a hospital in Bangkok, getting, <laughs> getting intravenous antibiotics and the doctor is in there. Literally, he's searching on WebMD, Lyme disease treatment. And oh, my God. It, oh God. And That's it, terrifying. You don't want to have, see a doctor actually on WebMD. Sorry, how do you spell it again? <laughs> L-I-M? L-I-M. I'm only seeing recipes for margaritas. <laughs> but it's like I couldn't. I mean, it was my best course of action moving forward. And so he's literally Googling how to treat Lyme disease and so he puts me on a whole bunch of antibiotics. Nothing is getting better. And eventually I decide that this is just not going well and I need to go home and handle this properly with some doctors in the United States. So I book a plane ticket for the next day and um, my, I actually had a, a layover in Hawaii. So that was kind of nice. I spent a couple days in Hawaii and then flew into the States to, well, Hawaii's in the States, but I flew to mainland and went to go see my doctor. And, you know, we, we, we handled the Lyme disease situation as best as we could. Now, during that time, I continued traveling and I went to a lot of different places. And it turns out that, well, quite, quite honestly, it was just not, (laughs) it wasn't a good idea. So when you have, when you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, going traveling generally just is not a good idea. But like I said, I don't really think things through. I just kind of go with the flow. I feel beat from traveling without Lyme disease. Sometimes it's exhausting. Well, that's it. I mean, it must, when you first felt these symptoms, it must've been kind of confusing because when you're traveling, it's a bit disorienting anyway, and you're feeling tired and confused. And sometimes there's a lot going on, at least for me personally, or anxiety and things like that. So it must've been a little bit like, am I just tired from traveling or like what's going on? Yeah, it was, it was very, um, disorienting is a really good word for it. Uh, and you also don't really know what your limits are in terms of, um, you know, how, how much energy do I have? Uh, how much sleep do I need to get traveling with like an entire backpack full of medication is, you know, that's a, that's 
just getting through security <laughs> with that is a, is a process yeah. in itself. So um, I continue traveling because this is what I do. And I, I want to say that this whole thing does have actually a happy ending because what I... You're in Thailand. Well, happy ending. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's the story I should be telling. No. <laughs> um, so the I'm skipping over a lot because this is a very, very long story. But ultimately through not being able to function very well, uh, I learned how to outsource a lot of the work that I was doing um, or that I was supposed to be doing, right? So if I was working with a brand and if I needed to, um, let's say, just write a blog post about my experience or, or, or to promote a product or something like that, um, I learned how to start hiring other people to do that work for me. And that's really what creating a business is. And so the silver lining of this whole thing is that I learned how to create a business because I was put into a position where I literally couldn't do the work that I needed to do to create a business. So it was kind of like I, I had to, I had to hack, uh, productivity to a point where I was able to, um, keep the travel blog going. And now I'm in a position where uh, I can work from home during this whole quarantine situation. Um, and I realized I've skipped over like a, a, a massive amount of details there, but I, like I traveled to probably 20 countries with Lyme disease. And I can tell you that just about every single one of those trips was a complete disaster and like a horrible mm. mistake. Um, but at the same time, I think that that's also part of what helped me get better is that I didn't let it stop me from living my life. Um, mm -hmm. and, and because you could very easily get into this trap of I'm sick and allowing that illness to take over your life. And I didn't allow that to happen. I kept traveling and I kept living the best quote unquote normal life that I knew how to live at that time. And that I think is also part of what helped me to get better is I never let myself become an ill person. I kept moving forward with my life and traveling, even though every single one of those travels. And I mean, I can run you through like a list of all the places I've been, um, which, you know what, I'm not even going to do that because the list is so long. But I, I, I will tell you, when what you mentioned uh, disorientation earlier, uh, that sense of disorientation, I remember one of my trips was to um, the Netherlands. And so I had, let's see, I was in the, I was in the Amsterdam airport. I remember trying to get to my gate and... I was walking down, I, I got to this giant atrium where there were like five different terminals that you could walk to, right? So one atrium and these five different walkways all go to the different terminals. And I'm following the signs to go to my terminal, but somehow I keep walking around in circles. So I, I spend 20 minutes walking to my gate and then all of a sudden I end up back in the same place. 
And I, I look around and I'm like, wait a minute, I've been here before. This looks familiar. This looks familiar. What, <laughs> how, what the hell? And so I said, okay, I'm really going to pay attention this time. And I follow the signs very carefully and I'm walking for about 20 minutes and then I stop and I'm in the atrium again. And I look around, I'm like, wait a minute, been here before. And I did this, I'm not even kidding. I did this four times. I walked around in a circle. Luckily, I had a long layover. I walked around in circles four times. Oh, my God. And keep ending up in the exact same place each time. Like, that's how out of it I was. And (laughs) that's, I mean, that's what Lyme disease does to your brain is it completely shuts down your ability to, to think rationally and to understand, like, what's going on around you. And, um, ultimately I did figure out where I was going, but I remember you're not still in the airport right now. (laughs) I'm actually still in the Amsterdam airport. I haven't figured out how to leave. If you guys know, and we'll send you a map. (laughs) It sounds like Christine in an airport. I'm like, I think I've done that before probably. And I have no excuses. (laughs) (laughs) At least I've got an excuse for it. Which now, anytime I do something stupid, I can just say, "Oh, it's just Lyme disease." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, have you have you used it? In any, have you got any uh, good get outs for it? Not any good ones. Not any fun ones. I mean, you know, it's it's if it, if you want to if you want to get a little more serious, you know, it it's a great excuse for not doing the things that I need to be doing. But that's something that I'm working on personally, right? Because. I'm, I'm getting a lot better. So I'm really not as ill as I was. I'm, I still deal with this on a daily basis and I'm, I'm making great strides forward, but it's all, there is a a certain amount of having to detach yourself from that identity of being really sick and, um, like sick as your normal. And so now I'm, I'm, whereas previously I was sick and I could just say, Oh, I'm sick. I can't do this right now. My, like, I don't have the, the, the energy to, to do this thing. So I'm just not going to do it. And Mm -hmm. that was a viable excuse. I don't want to say excuse, but like that was a viable way of thinking at that time. And now it's not because I am capable of actually doing the things that I need to do, but I'll often catch myself being like, well, I'm sick. So, so it's okay. I can just watch Netflix today. And then I got to snap myself out of it and be like, no, 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 no. That's just procrastination. Do what you got to do. I, yeah. I think that's kind of the general feeling of everybody in in quarantine right now. It's like, well, we're all going through this really difficult thing. So, you know, I'll just put on Tiger King again and binge watch that. But like we can, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody's situation is different right now. But at least for us, I know we could definitely be more productive rather than being like, oh, well, this is a crazy time. I'm just going to sit down on the couch and watch TV all day. Yeah, there's there's a lot of productivity porn on Instagram right now. And mm-hmm. I'm really not. It's a great, I'm really not. It's a great term. It, it's a, We've talked about this a lot. Such a, a such a spot on term. Oh, pro- yeah, productivity, productivity porn. porn yeah. for sure. And, and it's like, it's one of those things that, that people, I mean, it's like, do you guys know Gary Vee? Yeah. He's just like hustle, <laughs> hustle, hustle, work, work, work. And it's, you know, for sure. there's more to life than that. And, and 
Um, there's, there's so much, you know, people are talking about, like, if you don't come out of quarantine with a brand new skill, then quarantine was a waste. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm not here for that. That's, that's not okay. People need the space to be able to come to terms with what's going on and to deal with their own emotions. And, you know, this is a really difficult time for a lot of people and especially just being like basically locked indoors for months on end. That's a really, uh, that's a, that's a very stifling life to lead. And interestingly enough, it's actually not affecting me that much because when I was really sick, I actually, the, the first six months I spent bedridden and the first two years were, pre- I was pretty much house ridden with the exception of a few trips that I took, which like I explained, that was just an awful idea, but otherwise I would not leave my house. And so I'm here in quarantine and I'm like, I'm thinking, I got this. Like, <laughs> I got this. Like, chronic illness prepared me for this. I'm, I am ready. So I'm like, I am nesting. I've done this before. And I'm freaking thriving over here, guys. It's great. When is the last time you traveled, like, either domestically or internationally? Um, when is the last time I traveled? Uh, um, 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 let me think. Okay, so I just did a road trip to um where did i go uh death valley national park so that was have you guys been out there no no, no. we've done quite a few of the national parks especially along the west it's but, so close we should go yeah we should death valley is definitely one of my favorites and then prior to that i actually went to germany for about five months for lyme disease treatment so i was in a tiny oh, okay. tiny little village um about an hour outside of stuttgart and I was there seeing a functional medicine doctor who did wonders for my health. And I came back from that feeling um, a, a, a lot more broke, but also a lot better uh, health-wise. So That's awesome. those, are, those were my two most recent trips. Um, a tiny little town in Germany that nobody has ever heard of, and then death valley national park and so what's in in sort of wrapping this up what's what's the future of your travel look like and how is this going to continue to impact your travel and challenge you and and what's what's on the horizons i mean i mean obviously no travel at the moment but yeah beyond that that's a great question and i think that that it does where we're at right now with with the with the covid situation is uh, leaving a lot of room for uncertainty. So it's kind of tough, I think, for anybody to be able to say what the future of travel holds. But I'm, I'm in a position now where, you know, I'm, I'm doing some really cutting edge therapies that are making a huge difference in my health. And so my goal, while there is no quote unquote cure for Lyme disease, that's exactly what I'm aiming for. I intend to essentially cure myself from this, uh, which I I know sounds kind of grandiose, but I don't think it's actually outside the realm of possibility given the treatments and things that I'm doing, which are, I have to say, they're not totally mainstream. Like you couldn't go to just a normal doctor and find these. So I've, I've had to do a lot of my own research to uncover treatment modalities for this. So I'm well on my way to hopefully curing 
myself of this issue, at which point traveling should not be a problem. But I will say the silver lining of this whole quarantine situation is that over 10 years of travel, I built up so much momentum that I didn't really know how to to stop. Um, And I think that's a problem that a lot of long-term travelers run into is that they just keep going and they keep going and they keep going and that becomes your new normal. And that very much became my new normal. And anytime I would go somewhere, I already had a foot out the door because I knew that I wanted to just go to another place and see another place. And, And being locked down is forcing me to nest and to slow down and in a way put down some roots in this apartment that I've leased for the next year. And so that's actually been something extremely valuable that has come out of this whole thing for me is that uh, the future of travel for me is going to look very different in that I'm not going to be, you know, traveling as a vagabond nomad with, with no home base and, and, you know, that, that thing that I did when I was in my twenties, because that just doesn't serve me well anymore. And so, uh, the future of travel for me on a personal level is unknown, but I know that I'm always going to have a home to come back to. And that's something I've never had before. And that's something I'm really excited about. That's awesome, man. Well, we wish you all the best in your recovery mm-hmm. and, uh, and with the future of travel. And we just want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your stories today. It's a very interesting insight. And I know that there's probably a lot of people out there who are in a sim, maybe they're in a similar situation and then maybe, you know, the future seems quite bleak when it comes to not just travel, but just life. And so I think that there's a lot of inspiration that they can draw from that. And so thanks for that. Uh, why don't you, why don't you one last time pimp yourself out and uh, tell the voyagers how they can get in contact with you and maybe, yeah, how they can even just reach out to you if they, if they've got any questions about this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my website is travelfreak.com and we publish all kinds of uh, uh, destination guides, travel tips, gear reviews, all kinds of good stuff over there. You can find me on Instagram at Travel Freak and you can just slide right on into my DMs and I will totally answer you. Yeah, and when travels... Uh, and Especially if, you want, if you're an Instagram model. Yeah, and if you want to go to Greece, uh, <laughs> once it's all wrapped up, it's all said and done. Uh, you Jeremy, have to speak English, though. You have to speak English, but Jeremy, we'll take photos of you if you are hot and you want to go to Greece. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be your personal photographer. <laughs> right, my man, thank you so much once again for coming on the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. And stay safe out there. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to another week of the Voyager Chat series on the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Today's episode notes will be on the website at notsobonvoyage.com. You will find links to Jeremy's website and also how to connect with him. If you want to jump in and have a chat with him, slide into his DMs. You'll find all that information on the website. And if you like today's episode, share it with a friend. Tell a friend. Phone a friend. Do something with a friend. Tell, text a friend. Text a friend. Or tell us somebody who you think would make an amazing guest on this podcast. Maybe it's you. It could be you. And if it's not you, it could be a friend of yours. Or you might just have heard somebody on another podcast and thought, hey, they could be pretty good on the podcast. Hit us up on the socials at Not So Bon Voyage, and we'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.